This little story is not quite true, but uh, we'll use it anyhow. When uh, my grandson Keegan was, uh, oh, about seven or eight years old, he noticed that I would bow my head for a moment before starting to preach. And so one day he asked me why I did that, and I says, well, Keegan, and I was really very proud of him that he noticed um, that I was praying, that he was so observant of what we were doing in the pulpit. He said, I'm asking, I told him, I said, I'm asking the Lord to help me preach a good sermon. And Keegan says, well, why doesn't the Lord ever answer that prayer? <laughs> now, I've just changed the names for the personal effect. That really wasn't Keegan. He did a lot of other mean things. Uh, still does. Uh, his mother uh, uh, prayed for him every night when, when he was small. And one day I asked him, I said, so what does your mother say when she prays? And he said, well, thank God he's in bed. <laughs> Hallelujah. Acts chapter 3, verse 1, praise God. Next time that we return, it will probably be warmer weather, we hope, and amen. Thank the Lord. We're going to read two verses. What's your custom here? Do you stand for the reading of the word? It's, uh, we do not at home, but uh, unless somebody asks us to. Okay, stand with us. And for the reading of the word, we have two verses. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer being the ninth hour and a certain man lame from his mother's womb was, car was carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple which is called beautiful to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Amen. Let's all say in Jesus name. Amen. God bless the preaching and the hearing of the word tonight. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Certain man in this verse 2, is identified without a name as being lame from birth. And in these verses is the story and message that is relevant for us today. A certain man was lame. He was not lame because of something that he had done. He was not lame because of an accident. The Bible said that he was born that way. Uh, Today, in 2016, there's a lot of lame people, spiritually speaking. Two very important words after the description of this man, where it said that he was lame from his mother's womb, those two words are, was carried. Was carried. Can you say that with me? Was carried. It's very important because we learned that somebody carried him to the gate of the temple. Now, we don't know who it was. The Bible does not give us the names of the people or the men who carried him daily. Truly, they were some of the great heroes in that story. Now, most of the time we preach about Peter and John and the miracle of the lame man being healed at the gate beautiful. And I want you to understand I'm not preaching uh, against healing because I do believe in supernatural, miraculous healings. Uh, but there's some of you that are in service tonight that need healed. 
physically, I'm sure, and you needed healed on Sunday night, and you needed healed the week before. That's just some of the things that happen in life. Um, but what I want to preach to you about today is that we are carrying those that we cannot heal. Amen. These men carried the lame man every day. We don't know anything about the people who carried him, but we do know that the man, the, the man was lame. He was carried every day, and they got him as close to the temple as they could get him. He was deprived of going into the temple because of being lame. And at that time, anybody with a blemish, whether it was their fault or not, they could not go into the temple. Aren't you glad for this time of grace that we live in, that we can all come into the presence in the house of God, the presence of God in the house of God? They would get him as close as they possibly could, which was at the gate beautiful. And if they could have done any more for him, they would have. But they simply did what they could. They carried him to the gate, which was all that they could do for him. And so today it's true that we, the believers, the church, we carry many broken people that we cannot heal. Years ago there was a man, a professor, who was invited to speak at various meetings. His wife was disabled, and he never liked to go anywhere without her. When he, was, when he had a speaking engagement, he would take her with him. And back then, some of the buildings were not handicapped accessible for wheelchairs, as is required so much by the law today. And so he would wheel her as far as he could, then tenderly lift her up and carry her into the meeting. Of course, that made her very uncomfortable, but somebody overheard him as he was carrying his wife into the building, and he was continuously whispering in her ear, I love you, I love you, I love you. And those words spoken so tenderly would give her some consolation in the situation that she was in. And I want to tell you today that the church is carrying the weight of thousands of thousands of people who need a healing in their life. Amen. We are carrying the weight of the weak. Now this is a delicate subject because there's a difference between weak people, weak, a weak child of God and an evil reprobate. And to some, God has already sent them a strong delusion. The Bible says they'll believe a lie and be damned. And we're not going to preach about that side of the story tonight. What we want to preach is in Hebrews 12.12, it says, Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. And verse 13, And make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. So we are instructed by God to carry the weak. Now the truth is, we don't like to think of a Holy Ghost filled people being weak, but sometimes the fact is that they are. Amen. There was a story of a young lady named Julie Lynn who, like many young people, would pray through every youth camp, then go home and backslide after youth camp was over. I know that you don't know anybody like that, but I'm old enough that I've seen it. Amen. One year, after receiving a great blessing at camp, a preacher relative said, let's pray that God will take her to heaven right now because she's going to leave here and backslide. 
But praise God, there came the time that it didn't happen anymore. And today she's a strong saint of God in the church, and she's really living for God. I know that she's glad that somebody carried her from youth camp to youth camp. Hallelujah. Sometimes we feel like just kicking them out, amen, and not putting up with them, but we need to be tender-hearted. Hallelujah. The reason is that week one may be related to you, and we don't want to see them lost. Hallelujah. A 22-year-old preacher accepted the pastor of a church in Texas. Now, I'm pastoring in Canton, and I was 29, that's the truth. I was 29 when I went there to pastor, but I had pastored a short time, about a year and a half, in a little church in Illinois. And when we went to that church, it was an old, old preacher-eating church. And in about a year and a half, I got eaten up and spit out. The Lord did finally deliver us from that mess, and thank God we've, uh, uh, we've done something else for the Lord. But I can understand the feeling of this 22-year-old preacher. Uh, he accepted the pastor of a church in Texas following an elderly, elderly man that had been a leader there in the church, in that state, and in the district. And that old pastor had been there many years and was still going to live right next door to the church. The new young pastor eventually led the church into growth and in a move to another building. One old gentleman got upset over the move and quit going to church. And finally, one day, he did come to service in the new building, and the Lord was blessing in a wonderful way. And when I look and see at the great things that's happening here in, in Marathon, in Storm Lake, in Sheldon, amen, in the campuses of this congregation, I think what a wonderful work the Lord has done. Amen. And Brother Inger, I don't suppose that you look at yourself as some great prophet of God. Amen. We're kind of just a little bit ordinary, but at the same time, we're a little bit extraordinary, and we want to be what God wants us to be and do what God wants us to do. Amen. Reaching the lost and ministering to people. Hallelujah. Amen. In that wonderful service, the young pastor went back to the old gentleman and said, Brother Stevens, why don't you just come on back in and get in on this? The old man gave the preacher just a little shove on the chest and said, I'm not letting any old jack leg preacher tell me what to do. And, and the young preacher was never able to reach or do anything with the old man, although he never gave up on him. One day, the pastor received a letter in the mail from that old Brother Stevens. And he says, Brother Pastor, I'm terminally ill, and I'm trying to make everything right. I'm so sorry that I treated you as I did and for the things I said to you. Will you please forgive me? I'm coming back to church, and I'm going to ask the church to pray with me and to forgive me. And the pastor did, of course. He wrote back saying, Brother Stevens, I forgave you a long time ago, and I'm glad that you're going to do this. Amen. The old man got right with God before he died. Isn't that the will of God? Amen. And it certainly didn't hurt the church to carry him. It certainly didn't hurt the 22-year-old the pastor to carry him. It didn't hurt anybody to carry him, even if he did call the pastor an old jack leg pastor and give him a little bit of a shove. Amen. You see, there is really a difference between 
being a reprobate and a weak sheep. There's probably always going to be people in the church that are weak, and you need to carry them every day. Every day. Amen. I've pastored long enough that I've seen people that it was frustrating to work with them and to deal with them. And I've had others say, why don't you just uh, get rid of them? I had a man say to me not long ago, why don't you stop working with the deadbeats? Well, I I wasn't sure just who the deadbeats are, you know. Uh, It might have been him. You know, I don't know for sure. I kind of thought it was. But uh, I don't think he was referring to himself, and I'm not sure who the deadbeats were, but I've had those kind of things said to me before. Why don't you just quit working with some so-and-so and work with somebody that is worthwhile? Well, all I can say is I'm not God. Amen. We're going to reach everybody that we can reach. Hallelujah. Amen. I, I kind of picked this up from Brother Tipton a few years back. We're going to reach everybody that we can reach and let God sort them out. Hallelujah. Amen. We're going to carry everybody that we cannot heal. And I'm going to tell you, with that lame man, there came a day of healing for him. But it would not have happened if somebody hadn't carried him to the temple daily. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The lame man was in Acts was carried daily. What if they decided to leave him home the day that Peter and John came by? What if they had not carried him that time? What but they didn't leave him. They carried him there every day. Amen. And 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 friend, you're going to get people in your car and bring them to church and you think is it just a waste of time? And and you're going to find somebody that they're going to bring to church a few times and the next thing you know that they're going to say uh, I I need some help. I need a little bit of money. Are you going to give me some money? And and you're going to find everything under the sun. But let me say to you carry everybody that you can. Amen. The lame man looked at Peter and John. It's not a new thing when people ask the church for money because the lame man looked at Peter and John expecting to receive some financial aid. But Peter said, I don't have, in Acts 3 and 6, he said, I don't have any silver or gold, but what I have I'm going to give you in the name of Jesus of Christ. Rise up and walk. Hallelujah. And we preach about that great miracle time after time. But I want to tell you the heroes are the people that carried him every day and every day and every day. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Immediately that lame man's ankle bones received strength. He began walking and leaping. And you know where he went? According to the word of the Lord, he went right into the temple where he had been forbidden to go all of his life. All because some no-named people had carried him Every day, all because some no-name somebodies had lifted him up and carried him. Now, I don't know whether you're old enough that you were raised in church, or I should say it this way. I don't know whether you were raised in church, and when you were a child, you played, played church. But, uh, you know, we used to, when I was a kid, we were, that's what we did when we got together a lot of times. We played church. And now, kids play a lot of other things now, but we would play church, and uh, Oftentimes, I was the preacher, and, and uh, I don't know if that's where I got my calling or not. I preach a little bit better than I did back when I was 10 years old, but not a whole lot. So, uh, amen. And, 
so in, in church is where people learn, where our children learn about the things of God. And a lady in a, in a Pentecostal church, she would lift her hand for prayer request in this one church for 17 years and say, pray for my husband. He's unsaved. Every service. She didn't miss it a time for 17 long years. And it was such a part of the service that when the children of that church played church, one of them would be the preacher, one would be the song leader, and one little girl would always be that woman, and she would, in prayer requests, would say, pray for my husband. So what you saints are doing today, you're making an impression on our children. Amen. You're teaching our children. Amen. And let's teach our children about the wonderful things of God in the church of the living God. Amen. Hallelujah. I had a revelation about three or four years ago, brother. You know, after pastoring so long, it just finally dawned on me, the church is really a wonderful place. Amen. And the church... Uh, loves me and it loves my family. In fact, I've been a full-time pastor uh, probably for about 27 years. And, and so it's, you know who supports me? It's the faithful children of God, the people of God, the tithe-paying people of God. Amen. The church, praise God, that's, that's, uh, that's supported me totally. The church buys me Christmas presents and birthday presents and Father's Day and my, my, my wife on Mother's Day. It's because of the love of some wonderful people in the church. I want you to look around today at the church. The church is just not a bunch of crazies. The church is the people of God, and we're all different. Amen. We're all different, but I thank God today for the church of the living God. Hallelujah. Another old sister in a Pentecostal church, Mother Baldridge, she never finished a testimony. And I remember in my home church, it was Sister Elsie. And Sister Elsie wore those old lady heels, you know, and I see teenagers wearing the same heels now. But she would, she, she would, uh, she would always kind of just rise up on the balls of her feet and then back down. And she'd say, I'm so glad. And, and, and four, five, or six times she'd say, I'm so glad. And she'd name things uh, that uh, she was glad for. Uh, well, there was a Mother Baldridge in a church, and she'd never finish a testimony. She'd get to shake and, and fall back in her seat. Um, I want to tell you, everybody else would begin to shout with that when that happened. Uh, and it's important that our children know uh, that the church is a good place to be. Uh, Amen. It's important that our children see us blessed in the house of God. It's important that the children know that we're carrying somebody to Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, I'm sure that some of you have children or you have family that's away from the Lord. And I question, are you carrying them? Not literally, of course, but in your prayer. In your heart and in your soul every day, every day, every day. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 27, the last part of that verse says, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And verse 28 says, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ. So every man is mentioned three times in one verse. Every time, Three times in that verse, Paul says, every man. Amen. What's the use, you might say, of carrying them? We're not going to win them all anyway. Well, let me ask you, which ones are you just willing to give up and let go to hell? 
Now, maybe you're content with just a good percentage. But, friend, we're not planting tomato plants. This is heaven or this is hell. This is people being saved or people being lost. Amen. If you plant ten tomato plants and nine of them produce, you're going to pat yourself on the back and say, you've been a wonderful farmer. (laughs) But it's not that way when you're preaching and reaching and you're a saint of God in the church and you're trying to reach the lost. Let me give you a little example. I'm just going to bring it kind of home, close to home. But I want my children saved. I've just got two children. But I want my children saved. And I want my grandchildren saved. I have four grandchildren. So you, let, let's just count my little family. I've got me and my wife. And uh, uh, she's my first wife. <laughs> Has been for 43, well, 40, 40, 42 years. So... Uh, the two of us, two kids, I've got a son-in-law, Brother Mark Tipton, and a daughter-in-law, and uh, three grandsons, two of them are here, that's Keegan and Phoenix, and uh, Phoenix told me to preach short, and, uh, and then I have one granddaughter, so that's ten of us. Now, if nine of us are saved, that's 90% of my family. Uh, that's, if you're looking at tomato plants, it's okay with tomato plants. But it's not okay in my family. Which one of them am I just going to say, let them just go to hell? Which one of them am I just going to give up to hell? Jesus told about the shepherd leaving the 99 in the fold and going out after that one lost sheep. And when he found it, not only did he bring it back, but he carried it on his shoulders. Hallelujah. And when your loved ones come back to God, you're going to feel like carrying them on your shoulders too. Hallelujah. The shepherd cried out to the neighbors, rejoice with me, for I found my sheep that was lost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. About, about five or six weeks ago, we had a young man that, uh, actually there were two backsliders in that very same service that came back to the Lord. And, and, uh, and uh, they'd been messing around in sin and in, in the stupidity of the world. And, and, and so what they've done is they've prayed through about every Sunday night since then. They just come back and they just pray through again because that's sometimes what you need to do to get free and clear of the world. Hallelujah. And this last Sunday night, Brother Cody's around the altar and he first goes from one person to another person to another person praying and speaking in tongues. Hallelujah. God has been doing a great and a wonderful work. Brother Corey's been in the altar praying and weeping and speaking in tongues and when I watch them tears of joy flow down my cheeks it's not my biological children but it's young people that I've pastored I'm the only pastor that they ever had in their life and I want to see them walk with God hallelujah Luke 15 7 I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner everybody say one sinner that repenteth more than the 99 just persons which need no repentance. Hallelujah. I want to tell you, every time somebody comes back to God, you need to rejoice. 
Every time a new one comes to Jesus, you need to rejoice. Hallelujah. Thank God for the ones who are staying. And sometimes folks who've stayed around for years and says, where's the glory for me? Well, friend, one day we're going to walk on streets of gold. Hallelujah. We're going to throw our crowns down at the feet of Jesus. Amen. But thank God for everybody that we're taking with us. Thank God for everybody that we're reaching. And you need to carry those that you cannot heal. Amen. In Luke 15, 10, likewise I say unto you, there's joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Maybe you think that one doesn't make a difference, but one would make a difference if it were you. If it were you. Hallelujah. How many have received the Holy Ghost in the last year? In the last year. Just stand up for just one moment. In the last year, look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you. And I'm, I'm sure that if we went back just a little bit farther and a little bit farther, or we could say, how many have had the Holy Ghost? Let's see. If I was eight years old when I received the Holy Ghost, and I'm 63 now. Somebody help me do the math. 55 years? Has anybody had the Holy Ghost here 55 years? <laughs> Sister Reuter. Hallelujah. Sister Shirley. 55 years. I didn't even know you were that old, Sister Shirley. Well, hallelujah. <laughs> she is. Amen. The songwriter said the shepherd went out in search for his sheep. And all through the night on a cold rocky steep, he sought till he found him. With love bands he bound him. And I was that one lost sheep. I'm so glad that they carried me. Hallelujah. I was shy. I was backwards back when I was young. Uh, they said the, the, the terminology that they used was an inferiority complex. Now, they don't use that terminology anymore, you know. I can't remember what they say now. But I was so backward and shy, and, and I didn't live for God very good in my teen years. You know, I wasn't out there doing a bunch of stuff, but I was just a dumb kid, you know. And the church carried me. And we have a tremendous responsibility as a church. There's always going to be situations. There's always going to be hurt people. Always going to be weak people and sinners. There's always going to be somebody that needs the church to carry them. The world is more concerned about those who are physically handicapped sometimes than the church is those who are spiritually handicapped. You'll be fined if you park in a handicapped parking place. In most large cities, if you're going to build a church with a second story, you have to stall an elevator. It's in the code. And if the world is that concerned for the handicapped, how much more should the church be concerned for people who are handicapped spiritually? I'm sure that you've all seen or heard the story about the bigger boy carrying his smaller brother saying, he's not heavy, he's my brother. The camp meeting in Florida a few years back, a couple came weeping to the front of the service. And the wife said, she said to the preacher that was at the, at the altar, she says, we didn't plan to come to this service tonight. Just this morning, my husband went to the jail to get our boy out for the fourth time. And that very morning, Jim, the father of the boy, had said that he'd done all that he was going to do for their son. 
He was off his list. He was never going to do anything for him ever again. He had disgraced the family and embarrassed them. They had put out so much money to help him, they were at the end of their rope. But at that service that night, the Lord spoke to that, those parents. And they were weeping and said, he's our son, and we're going to do everything that we can. They didn't stop praying, and it was just a short time later that the boy prayed through and began to live for God. What a change, what a change it was in the parents, first of all, but it was worth it. They carried their boy until he came to Jesus. Psalm says in chapter 30, verse 5, weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. I'd like to say that that in Canton there are no weak people. I'd like to say that where I pastor that everybody is just wonderful and fine and there are no difficulties. But I know better and I'm not going to lie. In fact, it's the same everywhere. We've got to carry them. They're probably just fine physically, maybe mentally, but spiritually they're handicapped. We must carry them every day, every day, every day, every day, every day. Now, I'm just wondering tonight if you're willing. It's a wonderful thing to have great revival, and I want great revival, brother. I want greater revival than we've ever had. Sister Inger, how long have you guys been pastoring here? 13 years? <laughs> 13 years, three days. and <laughs> Yeah. I know that there's times you've had to carry people. Maybe some of you that are here are people that he carried for a little while. But you don't have to be that way forever. There can be the day when you are becoming part of the church. Hallelujah. And helping to carry somebody else. One of our great Pentecostal preachers stayed in the home of another pastor. Who was going to preach at his church. And during the conversation that night, the question was asked, how's your family? pastor and his wife began to weep. They answered, our boy ran away from home. We don't know where he is. So that night, the visiting minister, he was put in the boy's bedroom. And as the preacher was adjusting the shades, preparing for bed, he saw a note that was taped on the window. The note said, hi, Steve. Welcome home. We left this window unlocked for you. I knew you were coming home. The Lord told us so. Lots of love. The pastor couple told their visitor in the morning, when we leave, of course we lock our doors. But if our boy should come home while we're gone and find the doors locked, he'd probably look in his window. We want him to be able to get in. They knew that anybody could, gotten, could have gotten in the, in his window, but they really wanted it possible for their boy to get in. Now this is what I want. 
I want it possible for any boy and any girl, any man or any woman, to get in the church, to come to God. Amen. We've got to carry them until they are healed. You said you got the Holy Ghost within the last year? March 29th. That's just a about 11 months ago. How many times did you come to church before you got the Holy Ghost? Off and on. For years. They carried you. <laughs> they was really carrying him. <laughs> Has he quit drinking yet, church? <laughs> We're not carrying him anymore. Hallelujah. <laughs> How about for some of the rest of you? You know, where were you before you came to Jesus? Amen. How many times did somebody invite you and bring you to the house of God, but then your life was changed? Amen. In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, when God filled you with the Holy Ghost. Why don't we stand together? Hallelujah. Why don't we lift our hearts and our hands to the Lord? In the name of Jesus. Jesus, amen. Why don't you pray? We have plenty of time. Just go ahead and pray. Amen. Who are you carrying? Amen. Why don't we just put that name in our heart right now and just lift it to God. Father, give us strength to continue carrying. Jesus, we thank you, Lord. Lord, that that someday, God, if we're faithful, someday if we keep carrying, someday, God, you'll answer that prayer. You'll touch that one. Jesus, we thank you. I can tell you, um, Sister Vicki knows this, we save every bulletin on the hard drive. Every bulletin she's ever typed up has been in a hard drive. And for years, Tyler's name has been the bottom of a bulletin. From the moment um, I started pastoring and first met him, from almost day one, under the time Pray for Our Troops, Tyler Jarvis, we prayed every Sunday for years, for years for you, that God would put you. She would raise her hand. Amen. We prayed. Amen. Amen. Jesus' name. Why don't you be seated just for a few minutes? So good to have you here. Now, um, by requirement, we have to have a business meeting. Has anybody ever sat through a business meeting before? Okay, you've endured the business meeting. It is not a requirement.